This is RMIT University's Art, Design and Media podcast, and you're listening to a special RMIT culture and student-produced series, Literature and Ideas. This podcast is created on the unceded land of the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung people of the Eastern Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge their ancestors and elders past and present. Welcome to the RMIT Culture Podcast, produced in collaboration with the Bowen Street Press. This episode, hosted by Joel Humphreys and Sophie Newnham, unpacks the definition of narrative nonfiction with the guidance of industry experts and academics. Hi listeners, I'm Joel and this is Sophie. Hello, we're two RMIT students currently doing our Masters in Writing and Publishing. There's just so much to unpack in the publishing industry and so many genres of writing out there. I feel like there's a new genre every day. Speculative, contemporary fiction, new adult, historical fiction, magic realism. Chicklet. Yes. Sicklet? No, Joel. <laughs> if you're tuning in today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into narrative nonfiction. Narrative nonfiction's a funny one. I think it's the narrative part that confuses me. Like, can we actually just make stuff up? Yeah, and I didn't realise there are so many forms of narrative nonfiction out there. How do you know you're reading narrative nonfiction? They have a narrative nonfiction section at the Readings Bookshop. And if you want to write your own narrative nonfiction, where do you start? What is so damn unique about narrative nonfiction anyway? Joel and I will attempt to answer these questions with the help of some amazing industry experts, including writers, editors, and academics. Hopefully, we'll both leave here with a better grasp on the definition of this elusive genre and maybe even be inspired to write some of our own. Narrative nonfiction is such a huge genre. I don't even know if you would call it a genre. It encompasses many genres within it. Um, and I, now that I publish only nonfiction, I have a vested interest in seeing more of this out in the world. I think it can be quite intimidating for a lot of people starting from scratch because uh, nonfiction is so broad and it is driven by the real world in some capacity rather than your, uh, you know, purely your creative imagination. That was Arwen Summers, the nonfiction publisher at Hardy Grant, speaking at the 2020 Spark Prize panel. The Spark Prize is a biennial narrative nonfiction prize hosted by Hardy Grant and RMIT Writing and Publishing. So I'm getting that narrative nonfiction encompasses like many genres. It's really broad. And it's driven by the real world. But what is it, Sophie? Joel, I think we need to hear from one of our industry experts. I think you're right. I think it's time we bring in the commissioning editor at Hardy Grant, Emily Hart. What does she look for when she's commissioning a narrative nonfiction novel? So you're ideally looking for something that tells a true story but that draws you in like a fiction novel would. Um, People love to be informed and entertained and ideally... A narrative nonfiction book is going to do both. Um, nonfiction, you can often think about a clearer gap in the market, I think, than fiction. Um, we're obviously open to, you know, exploring new things and being surprised, but at the same time, you can kind of see what people are talking about, what other books are doing well, and um, you can see where a narrative nonfiction book might slot into that. Emily had a lot to say about the commercial success of the narrative nonfiction genre, which is really great. Yeah, it's really exciting to see books that are a little bit more experimental, maybe even crossing into different genres, 
uh, doing well commercially. It means that authors are able to try something a little different with the, the genre, with narrative nonfiction. Yeah, and Emily helped us realise how narrative nonfiction changes the experience for authors and readers. Authors get the freedom of fiction to make new connections and revisit things in new and exciting ways. And readers get an experience of entertainment while also being informed about something truthful. I love that. I think we're getting a better idea of what exactly narrative nonfiction is now, Sophie. We're smashing it, Joel. <laughs> so let's hear from Emma Shortis, an historian and lecturer at RMIT. Emma has written a narrative nonfiction book herself. It's called Our Exceptional Friend, Australia's Fatal Alliance with the United States. I'm really interested to see how Emma frames creativity within the context of her historical writing and a book about the political relationship between Australia and the US. Truthfully, it doesn't sound very narrative nonfiction to me. I think the question of, a na- of narrative nonfiction is a, um, a really, I guess it's a really interesting one for me because I've, I think I've never really thought about it explicitly. Um, and I think that's partly because I trained and, and studied as a historian. And, and I think really what historians do, what we're trained to do, is narrative nonfiction. You know, often people would think about history as traditional nonfiction. You know, it's kind of a, um, I suppose, a listing of facts. You know, this happened and then this happened and, and this was the consequence. But actually, I think the best historians are always in, engaged in a kind of narrative nonfiction, which is a very creative process, really, of, of kind of bringing to life and explaining and interpreting the past. That's such an interesting perspective, coming from an academic and historian. Yeah, I've totally thought of history through that traditional idea of the objective truth, like times, dates and facts. But that kind of straight retelling of history can be so boring. Right, and to create a compelling story, you need those fictional, creative elements. I totally agree. In our interview with Emma, she touched on how useful and compelling narrative nonfiction can be as a form of storytelling. It allows for creative writing elements to bring the best of history. It makes an emotional connection to the reader. That kind of historical writing has to be creative. It has to be emotional and it has to make connections with people because it has to bring, really, the best history has to bring the past to life. And and the only way that's possible is through creative writing. Um, And I I think some historians and, and academics would kind of shy away from that because that notion of creativity in particular kind of suggests a looseness with the facts. Um, But historians would, I think, kind of complicate that on a number of levels because, as I just said, you know, I think you need that creativity, you need that emotion to really evoke a sense of history and, and what it means for us today and into our future but also because this the idea evoked by kind of traditional nonfiction that you have these kind of facts and incontrovertible truths is something that historians would also contest you know the the nature and our understanding of history is changing constantly you know we're always interpreting history from our position in the present and so that creativity I think is really critical to kind of complicating our understanding of history and, and straying away from kind of understanding the world through through really simple binary truths. I think we're starting to see a pattern here. Yeah, uh, same. Do you, Joel? Yeah, it's like like a pattern. Uh, you know, like it's a... Why don't, why don't you explain it for the listeners? Yeah, for the listeners. 
Well, so far we've heard from non-fiction publisher at Hardy Grant, Arwen Summers, the commissioning editor at Hardy Grant, Emily Hart, and a historian slash writer, Emma Shortis. And they've all kind of said the same thing. What's that? Well, Arwen said that narrative non-fiction is driven by the real world. Yeah. And Emily Hart said that when she's commissioning narrative non-fiction, that she's looking for something that tells a true story, but draws you in like a fiction novel. Yes. Emma Shortis also said that narrative non-fiction involves a kind of bringing to life and explaining and interpreting the past. Ah, so what you're saying is that narrative non-fiction authors are taking real-life events from their own lives, their own world, and reinterpreting these events with a creative perspective? Yeah. And as Emma said, this helps make connections with the reader because it brings true stories to life. Totally. You know, I actually had the pleasure of interviewing Eugia's song about her process and experience of writing narrative nonfiction. Eugia's song. Oh, the inaugural winner of Hardy Grant's 2020 Spark Prize. Yeah, she's the one. She won the prize with her manuscript for The Pursuit of Impossible Dreams. It's a story of her mother's decision to have a second child at the start of China's one-child policy, told by that same child, Eugia. Wow, that sounds incredible. Right? After speaking with her, I just want to get my eyeballs on this book. <laughs> but she's still writing it. Well, I'm so excited to hear her speak. So I think narrative nonfiction does not pretend to be objective. Um, instead, it um, engages with the author in a really intimate way. So having point of view is really, really important for me as a reader and as a writer because it allows me to enter into the narrator's inner world um, with their emotions, perspectives, attitudes and opinions about the world. And that's important because that makes something compelling. It makes their experience real to me and it also adds um, dimension and diversity in... um, talking about history, I guess, and writing about reality. Eugia just nails it. It's incredible that she's so new to writing in this genre, but her description of narrative nonfiction is so good. Absolutely. Eugia really emphasised the author's creative point of view because it allows the reader to empathise with the narrator and understand their emotions and their world. And it's compelling. Narrative nonfiction, the way Eugia describes it, incorporates fictional storytelling techniques making for an engaging story for both the reader to read and the writer to write. My wheels are turning, Joel. It's all <laughs> coming together. I like also really loved how Eugia talked about narrative nonfiction, helping her understand her family, their history, and from a different perspective. I think because narrative nonfiction is so broad, as I started to learn about the form, I started to come across different... Um, story shapes or frames, if you like. So, you know, there's the braided essay, there's collage, there's memoir. Um, And I started to write little chapters into different forms to see what worked better. And in doing so, I think it's constantly rearranging my thoughts and my understanding about my family history and constantly having to rework it Um, and to interview my mother again and again about the same events, the same incidences. Um, So I think it's really digging quite deep into 
getting to know the truth from different perspectives um, by using those different story shapes to explore one story. That really goes to show the broadness of narrative nonfiction. It's not really a genre in and of itself. It's more like a style of writing. Oh my God, totally. And it's so cool to see how re-examining these past events from a creative perspective can actually dig deeper into the truth of an event. Right. It's like, what even is the truth anymore? <laughs> we live in a post-truth world, Joel, but <laughs> let's not go there. Agreed. To wrap things up, we've got a little snippet of Emily Clements reading from her narrative nonfiction book, The Lotus Eaters. Mum tells me a story. It's the 80s and she's in her 20s travelling the world. There is a photo of her at this time where she has silky duck hair and pixie cut, her slender body swimming in a turtleneck sweater. It is the image I carry into this story. She was walking along an empty road in a city whose name she can't remember. I think of red dust and grey stone. A group of men were walking the same road and spotted her by herself. One detached from the group. He swaggered over. He asked for a kiss. Mum, shocked, said no. They argued. It escalated. She slapped him. She tells me that he looked like he wanted to kill her. His eyes were murder. She picked up a rock. He picked up a rock. They stared at each other, the group of men, his friends, watching, the road empty, dusk falling. She dropped the rock, he kissed her. As she tells me the story, she admonishes herself. Stupid, she says. Stupid to pick up that rock. I want to reach through time and join her on the road. I want to hold her hand and my own rock, so it is us together against the world. I want to pull her from that lonely place where the line is drawn not at the skin, but beyond it, around other, more vital organs. From what we just heard, I think Emily's piece really ties in with what Eugia was saying. She uses her own point of view, obviously writing from her own experiences, but she's passionate about her subjective tone. She takes her readers on this insane journey, much like a fiction novel, really, but it's so powerful because it's her own story. Yeah, exactly. She tells this story both as a story passed on from her mother but also as if she was there. It's beautiful how it pulls you into the scene of her mum walking on this road. The literary form makes Emily's nonfiction story that much more compelling. Totally. Emily's piece really uses some of the key concepts that we've identified throughout our journey. It does. Like, it really shows how you get the freedom of fiction in this form. Right. For the author, she gets to re-examine these past events from a new perspective. Yeah, and for the reader, they get to be drawn into these real-life events in exciting ways, like a fiction would. What a perfect example of narrative nonfiction to end on. So, just say if I was to ask you then, Sophie, mm -hmm. what is narrative nonfiction? What would you say? Oh, bit of pressure there, Joel. I think you can do it. <laughs> okay, Joel. Um, narrative nonfiction is a style of nonfiction writing that uses fictional literary techniques to tell a truthful, unique and compelling narrative based on the real world. You nailed it.
You've been listening to the RMIT Culture Podcast. We'd like to thank our guests, Arwen Summers, Emily Hart, Emma Shortis, Yuji Song and Emily Clements. Our production team, Carly Godden, Kelly Buerman, Joel Humphreys, Mia Purvis and Sophie Newnham. For more episodes, subscribe to RMIT Culture wherever you get your podcasts.